Good morning, good morning, good morning. Happy Sunday. If you are tuning in here, you are getting ready for another episode of Weightless in Mind, Body, and Spirit with yours truly, Dr. Carol Penn. I'm going to go over here. We're going to do our countdown and we're going to see who's going to join us this morning. Hello, 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 and welcome. Let's see, we have some people who have joined us. Go ahead and put it in the chat. Say hello. Let us know who you are, where you're joining us from. And again, I just want to welcome you to Weightless and Mind, Body, and Spirit with yours truly, your host, Dr. Carol Penn, triply board certified in family medicine, osteopathic manipulative medicine and obesity medicine. I am also your master movement meditation and mindset coach, three-time best-selling author. I'm so, so, so thrilled with my book, Baby Meditation in a Time of Madness, a guidebook for talented tweens, teens, their parents and guardians who need to thrive. And of course, my 90-day journal, also called meditation in a time of madness, living, learning, and leading. And these are tools that I was blessed, that that came through me to serve you. So you would have what? Resiliency. So you would have what? Greater self-regulation, the skills that we need to nurture and support ourselves in mind, body, and spirit. And that brings me to the topic of today's show, which rounding out this month is all about nurture. It is all about nurture, nurturing ourselves in mind, body, and spirit in the here and now, taking care of our mental health and preparing for what's to come. And you're going to love our special guest. She's been on our show before. So we are going to welcome her back. But before I bring her backstage, let's see who's joined us this morning. Hey, Kenneth, great grand rising to you also. Kenneth, thank you so much for tuning in. Hey, Linda, good morning. Hashtag Meditation Nation. That's right. Drop that hashtag Meditation Nation right on in there. So glad to see you this morning. Good morning and welcome, Christine. Go ahead and drop that hashtag meditation nation in there because that helps people to find us when we use our hashtags. And we don't want to be the best kept secret anymore. That's for sure. Good afternoon. Oh, good afternoon. Well, it's afternoon someplace. It's afternoon over in Tokyo where the Olympics have gotten started this weekend. And wasn't Naomi Osaka lighting the torch? Fabulous, in case you missed it. Good morning, Marianne. Living, learning, leading, and blessed to be another year older and wiser as of 721. Happy, 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 woo-woo, happy birthday, Marianne. 
Victoria, good morning. Good morning from Wilmington, Delaware. Go ahead and drop your hashtag Meditation Nation in the chat. Help people find us. Good morning, Tanya, and welcome. Hashtag Meditation Nation for you too. Good morning and welcome, Linda. Yes, 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 indeed. So glad to see you up bright and early on this. Uh, it's kind of a, it's a bit of a cloudy morning here in New Jersey. Well, I'm going to bring our special guest on so you can see her beautiful countenance as I share her accolades. I always like to bring my guests on and then share their bios because I just love just feeling their energetic imprint and watching their reaction as they kind of absorb their own magnificence, their own magnificence. So let's bring her on. Yes, good morning and welcome back. Good Hi, morning. We have Rebecca Schoenwolf who is a licensed holistic mental health therapist and energy healer practicing in Connecticut and New York State. She has been in the psychology field since 1990 and has been studying energy healing, quantum physics, neurobiology, and cardiobiology since 2002. By combining these fields of study with training and certifications in multiple therapeutic disciplines such as CBT, DBT, and EMDR. And we're going to let her talk about each of those acronyms in case people are unfamiliar. Rebecca brings a unique perspective to her work in assisting her clients through their own healing process. In her spare time, she enjoys the arts, singing, reading, hiking, meditation, photography, and other hobbies. Welcome, welcome back, Rebecca. Happy Sunday to you. Thank you. Thank you for having me back. It's always so wonderful to be here on these Sunday mornings. Oh, wonderful. We've got, oh my goodness, we've got Texas in the house with our good friend, Floor, who's joined us. Hashtag Meditation Nation to you, Floor, and happy Sunday as well. All right, so let's just get on into it. So I mentioned those acronyms, CBT, DBT, EMDR. So these are amongst the therapeutic disciplines that you have certifications in where you help your clients and patients heal in mind, body, and spirit. Let's break those down because maybe everyone is not familiar with these acronyms. And I think this is information that people will need to going forward. So mm -hmm. that if they are seeking a relationship with a mental health professional, they'll know some questions to ask because I do, I recommend all three of these approaches to therapy because they are so comprehensive. So go ahead, let's start with CBT. What is CBT? So CBT is cognitive behavior therapy. And basically it is how the mind and your behaviors interact, how your, how your thoughts influence how you behave. And so with CBT therapy, we're looking at the thoughts, reframing them so that your behaviors can change and shift towards a healthier lifestyle. Wonderful. What about DBT? So dialectical behavior therapy is the relationship between your mind and your body and your behavior. 
So how, you know, if you have uh, negative thoughts, neurochemicals come flying down out of your brain and influence all of your internal organs and structures. And that in turn um, kind of influences your mood. So then the mood becomes, so if you're eating junk food, you're eating a lot of sugar and processed foods, your body is going to go, oh, no. And you're going to feel depressed and you're going to feel anxious and you're not going to feel at your best and you're going to feel unmotivated. So DBT kind of helps with the mental, emotional component of, um, of your lifestyle. Wonderful. And then EMDR. Oh, EMDR. I love EMDR. Um, EMDR is one of the newer therapies uh, in the field, but it's also one of the most profound. It's eye movement desensitization and reprocessing. Um, So again, that's eye movement desensitization and reprocessing. Basically, this is uh, the conversation, again, between mind and body. So a lot of this is mind-body oriented. But this one is different because what they have discovered is that you process your emotions with your ocular muscles. Okay. And there's this bilateral stimulation. So you have the two sides of the brain and what the ocular, when you, when you flip your eyes back and forth like this, you're doing bilateral stimulation. You're getting both sides of the brain talking to each other. All right the mental side, the logical side, and the emotional artistic side start to speak. With trauma, um, basically the logical side has its framework of story and the, the emotional side has its framework of story. And they tend to be at odds with each other. So, um, this is like with, with flashbacks. So if you, um, say you got mugged in a grocery store, Okay, then your mind is going to say, logically, this grocery store 10 years later is safe. But your body is saying, oh, no, 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 no. There's danger there. We're not going in. We're not going in. You have panic attacks. EMDR resolves the two and kind of and and brings those two things together so that you can recognize, yes, that happened to me, but that's not happening now. Beautiful. And. As we're going forward, we've all been traumatized with what's going on around us the last, uh, you know, 16 months plus with the pandemic. And many people now are starting to say that they find this kind of interim period. Are we in? Are we out? What are we moving toward? Mm-hmm. Something that's very, very difficult to process. But hold that thought. We're going to get into all of that for sure. But tell me, how is it that you decided, what is your story? I know our audience always likes to know, well, how did you get to be Rebecca Shernwolf, the therapist? Um, I didn't have a choice. <laughs> when I was in, when I was a young girl, I grew up with a teacher. And so I was like, oh, I guess I'm going to be a teacher. And this is where the cultural conditionings come in. I saw a teacher. I saw a viable career. I saw, okay, that's, let's do that. Um, and then in high school, I took a psychology class and went, and that was it. I just, I was enamored with psychology. Went and got my BA in psychology, got my first job out of college in psychology, and then I got burnt out because they didn't teach about self-care. They just taught about how to do the work. 
And I was working with four to six year olds who were abused. And then I worked with teenagers mm -hmm. who had brain traumatic brain injuries. And there were a lot of great things about it, but there's a lot of stress. And I was not taught how to handle my stress. So I got burnt out. So I decided, well, I'm going to try and be a receptionist. <laughs> I found out I'm not really good with paperwork details. <laughs> and I learned a lot and it's helped me. But then I had to go back into the psychology field. Um, I then tried to move out of the psychology field and become a um, massage therapist. I thought, oh, yeah, I could do that. No, not going to happen. My back decided that, no, you're not going to be able to do that. And then I tried to be an OT, an occupational therapist, mm. and that didn't work out either. So then I reverted back to psychology, and I happened to find this fantastic program at Salva Regina University in Newport, Rhode Island. Um, I got my master's in holistic mental health counseling. That is literally what my degree is. And there they really went into what's my stuff. How do I work with me and how do I be just as embedded in the process of healing as the client without going to that transference, counter-transference? Mm -hmm. That's where I really learned the coping skills. That's where I learned the nurturing skills that is going to help sustain me. And then I figured, well, I'm just, you know, I, I just went into the field, became a, a therapist at an agency. And from there realized every single person coming through had trauma. Every single person had trauma in their background, little traumas, big traumas, but all of it is big for them. So I was like, well, I need to learn about trauma. And so now that has led me into all of the energetic healing. It has led me into the EMDR world. Um, so, yeah, that's how I got into it. Oh, beautiful, beautiful. Tell us a little bit more about the energetic healing. I think that our viewers would be interested in that because one of the things that I love about getting to know you is how comprehensive your training is in your background and therefore your approach. So yes, psychology, mm -hmm. that's the, you know, that's, that's the baseline. That's the right. traditional Western approach. That's what insurance companies will pay for. <laughs> yes. That's, that's what insurance companies will pay for. And that's what you're degreed in and licensed in. But let's talk about these energetic approaches that you also bring in additional to these areas of certification and the CBT, DBT, and EMDR. Mm -hmm. So in 2002, I was a stay-at-home mom and I had two little ones running around and my voice, my vocal cords decided not to work at all. I went to at least three ENTs. I had scopes put down. Everybody said, no, everything looks good. There's no inflammation. Your vocal cords are put together. I went for um, um, speech therapy to try and regain some of the nothing worked. And I was getting really frustrated because it's hard to parent two toddlers with no voice. <laughs> they need your voice. So my mom brought me to a wonderful healer, Winter, and in that first Reiki session, I just released so much. It was this huge release. Winter spent at least two hours with me just working through all of the energy that was coming up, all of this pent-up energy, all of that old, old, old stuff that I was not able to get rid of came out. Um, I then, after that, she took me on as a student, 
And I learned Reiki from her. I learned meditation. I learned mindfulness from her. And my voice came back, and I'm back to singing, my full singing self. Oh, which is beautiful. Now, I know Winter, and yes, Winter has made her transition. What a wonderful, wonderful practitioner, and she brought Mm -hmm. so much through her particular skill set. Reiki, which is spelled R-E-I-K-I, might not be familiar to all of our viewership. So mm-hmm. I too practice Reiki. I'm a Reiki master. I think that's something else that we have in common. Yep. So tell people, what is Reiki? Reiki, oh wait, we all have Reiki. Reiki is basically universal life energy, universal life force. We all have Reiki. So if you take your hands and you rub them together real fast, okay? And then pull them apart and see if you can feel the energy pulse between them. Sorry, I'm losing. I'm a <laughs> It's opposite, okay. Yes. But if you can feel the energy, if you do this and then feel the energy pulsing between your hands, that is Reiki energy. And everybody has it. And in Tai Chi, they do this wonderful thing where you have the ball you, you picture a ball of energy between your hands okay that is the healing energy we all have being trained in reiki means i go from having the stream which everybody has reiki one you get into the river okay reiki two is more like the amazon river <laughs> and then reiki master teacher you're in the ocean of energy healing so i'm a reiki master teacher and I enhance the healing energies of the person. I don't heal people. The energy flows through me to the other person and their energy system gets activated and their energy system kicks in. And that's where healing is. Now, what I do is I do have a um, unique practice in that some clients, I will do the mental health counseling and I will do the energy healing on them together. It's called a combo session. And they you know, they have to be at a certain level of healing. It's not like I start them off right as they come through the door. They have to get to a certain level of healing before I'm willing to do that because of the energetic boundaries that happen and the clinical ethical boundaries. But those clients that get to that point, their healing takes off it's like going from a pony to a racehorse Mm -hmm. and their energetic healing becomes very profound and it ripples out into their world so their family members their friends their co-workers all get influenced by their own healing so this is that ripple effect that reiki can have with um whole systems Oh, no, it is fabulous. And uh, just for our viewers, I want to point out, so Ki, K-I, which is the the Japanese spelling Mm -hmm. of Chi, C-H-I, or Q-I from the Chinese. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that is the word that means energy. Mm -hmm. So the Ray is the universal life force in Qigong. It's that's the the energy practice and so that you know making that energy ball is often a part of that and the same thing with tai chi you know so we're putting together words that mean you know universal life force 
energy practice. And it is, it's something, energy can neither be created nor destroyed. And so it's something that's present in all things, whether we think of them as alive or not. There is a, there is a force that's there that makes it a thing, you know, a thing that makes a human a human, same thing, a thing that makes a rock a rock. Mm-hmm. So that life force and mm-hmm. to be tuned into that mm-hmm. is it's a powerful, powerful gift as both a human being. And certainly if you are serving in any capacity in life, it is just it's just wonderful to be able to tap into that and to become aware of it. And the first step on the journey is the awareness because you have it. Yes. You're not going to be able to create it or destroy it. You can't get more. You can't get less. Right. It just is. It's fundamental to to life. So thank you for those beautiful explanations. I love the imagery that you used of the river, <laughs> the Amazon River, and then the ocean. That was mm-hmm. good. That was absolutely great. Well, yeah. I would love to get into what it is that we really want to 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 talk about, which is right now. I, you know, I don't know about you, but people are struggling with being in this great place of uncertainty with what's going on. And I would love to hear from you. What are some of your, your, the framework around which you are working with people right now? Mm-hmm. And what are some of the ways that you are supporting people? Mm-hmm getting through this period? So one of the most important things that we have to recognize is that we are right now experiencing a jump in the evolutionary process. That's what pandemics are. They are jumps in evolutionary processes. And we have to increase our adaptability to be able to maneuver into a new lifestyle Okay, because of this pandemic. And um, so, you know, I hear people talking about being post pandemic. We're not post pandemic. We are learning to live with this virus. We are learning how to cope with this virus. The vaccines are a part of the coping. Um, With as far as people, my clients, myself, especially, I always start with myself. That was one of the things that I learned in grad school is uh, the therapist is only as effective as he or she is living effectively. And this applies to everybody. It's not just therapists. It's as effective as I am living. That's how effective I'm going to be in the world. So I always start with myself as far as the coping skills or the nurturing, the strengthening of myself. And I think one of the most basic parts to this is how do we talk to ourselves? How are we talking to ourselves? Um, And again, how we talk to ourselves influences our neurobiology, which then floods down into our bodies and creates a lot of what we feel or the emotions or the mood. So are you talking to yourself with kindness and compassion? Would you talk to your best friend or your favorite family member as you talk to yourself? 
If the answer is yes, great, you're on your way. If the answer is no, I'm really hypercritical of myself. I can't get out of my own way. I'm always stopping myself. A lot of the self-sabotage is really about how are people speaking to themselves. So the ways that I hear and I ask people to change is in like, these are the basics. I'm just going to give you basics because it can go in all sorts of different directions. Um, The minimizing degrading language. Okay. That word just, all right. I hear, especially a lot of women who are trying to make their point, but don't want to come across as being too aggressive or too da da da. They will use just, well, I just want to point out. All right. That's, Oh, can I, can I please? It's almost an asking of permission instead of saying, I would like to point out whatever your point is. Um, another way is, Oh, I'm sorry, but okay. I hear a lot of that. I'm sorry, but Oh, I, you know, I got to say that. Da, da, da. Um, and then another one, Oh, I know this is going to seem crazy. You're going to think I'm crazy. All right. That degrading, the degrading language is not empowering to the person. Um, another one is, oh, I know this is going to sound stupid, but all right, you're already putting it down. And so I'm already going to be like, well, why are you putting it down if you're going to say it? So understanding how are you speaking to yourself and to others? Um, that's one of the first, well, it's the first principle in Don Miguel Ruiz's book, um, The Four Agreements. Agreement number one is speak with impeccability and integrity. And it's not just speaking to others, it's speaking to yourself. Are you speaking your truth with a sense of empowerment? So I really try to help people reframe how are they saying things. Another way that people use disempowering language is to say, when they're talking about their own experiences, you know, if they have a bad dream, well, when you have a bad dream and you really are trying, struggling to wake up and you're really trying hard to, and I have to say, no, 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 no. I didn't have the bad dream. You had the bad dream. Own it and own your process through it. That's empowering language too. So that's one of the, that that's a big part of it. Um, as far as the coping skills. I love that. And, you know, often there's this inner mean girl or this inner mean guy that's just sitting there that's telling you diminish, diminish, diminish. And that is so not useful as we walk in the world. We need some foot soldiers Mm -hmm. that have agency and strength, Mm -hmm. integrity, authenticity for being the change we want to see in the world. That leadership, I believe, is not going to come from the top down anymore. No. No. It's It's an inside job. Absolutely. One of the best questions that everybody can ask themselves is, um, is this for my best and highest good at this time? Okay, and I say at this time, because what's for your best and good right now is not going to be the same as tomorrow or a month from now or a year from now or 10 years from now. So at this time, with the information that I have, is this for my best and highest good? And that helps with that sense of choice, which also is empowering because then you have agency 
If you know you have choice, then you can make that choice. And even if you make a quote unquote bad choice, you're still making a choice. You're still empowered. Okay. Because if you wish, if you don't want to, if you want to have like a whole bag of potato chips for dinner, go right ahead. Okay. But no, you're going to have consequences for that. (laughs) Absolutely. It's so you're talking about really cultivating consciousness. Mm-hmm. Developing yeah. consciousness, ownership, respect, responsibility for the mm-hmm. self. And I love that question. Somebody should put that question in the chat. Is mm-hmm. this for my best and highest good at, at this, time. this time? Yeah. Is this for my best and highest good at this time? So mm-hmm. you talked about, so right here in the here and now, cultivating a language that elevates the self mm-hmm. versus distances or degrades the self mm-hmm. so elevation versus degradation. Yes. What are some of the things that we can look to do to prepare ourselves for, for what's coming? Because as you said, it's not post pandemic. We are mm-hmm. very much in the pandemic mm-hmm. this morning, the rates here, So we represent states where the COVID infections are rising. New Jersey, Mm -hmm. New York, Mm -hmm. Connecticut. Mm -hmm. And I bet if we throw in Delaware and Pennsylvania, same thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, in Florida, uh, there's been a 40% rise of COVID (laughs) cases in Florida, um, representing 30%, I think, of that. um, Missouri and Texas. And so, you know, we're, we're seeing a clash because it really is like the vaccine is a buffer, but it's not the end all be all. We can still have COVID. It's just a buffer and we can still spread it. So we have to be very conscious of that. Now, a lot of people are not wearing the masks now because they're so comfortable with, oh, I got the vaccine, you know, and that's fine. That's all well and good. Um, But just understanding that that is also a choice. So I think that going forward, it is about recognizing and honoring and respecting. If somebody decides to wear a mask in the store, respect it. If somebody decides not to, respect that. Now, it goes even back to the vaccine. If somebody decides to get the vaccine, respect that choice. If somebody decides not to, respect that choice. Okay. And it's hard. It's really hard when you know that the vaccine is going to help the collective, but we also have to understand that there's a lot of fear. There's a lot of fear and misinformation out there. And so in honoring somebody who's not vaccinated, it is important to say, well, what's the reasoning behind it? Okay, and if you say, well, I don't trust it, it hasn't gone through the FDA. I have a client who is unvaccinated. Um, I see her virtually, so I'm not in her presence. Um, But she has made the decision not to be vaccinated because they didn't follow the rules of the FDA. They pushed it through too fast. We don't know what the long term effects are. So she's very rule bound. She's incredibly rule bound. And she's made it very clear until it is confirmed by the FDA, in other words, top down, I'm not doing it, okay? So in her mind, 
she's being safer. So we have to understand what are people's levels of threat, feeling threatened. Some people feel more threatened by getting the vaccine than by not getting the vaccine. So respect, I think, is the big thing going forward and understanding that everybody is making the choices to the best of their ability, even if it doesn't make sense to us. Well, that is, yes. So respect <laughs> is the word that you say going forward. Another concept that you and I have been talking about is this whole uh, concept of adaptability and evolution. So let's just share with everybody, what does that mean? Because I think you, you know, you spoke a little bit about it earlier in today's show. Mm -hmm. This is an evolutionary leap. A pandemic represents an evolutionary leap. So well, I'm even thinking now, let's do a little bit of a SWOT analysis regarding it. So what are some of the strengths that that about this whole concept in terms of evolution's viewpoint? What are some of the weaknesses and what are the opportunities and what are the threats? Okay, so some of the strengths that have come out of this is it has given people an opportunity to slow down and reassess who are they? How do they want to operate in this world? What are their relationships like? You know, I mean, a lot of couples, a lot of families, you know, they, it was just them for a whole year. Kids aren't in school. All of a sudden it's a 24, it really is a 24 seven job. So what was the family, what is the family structure really like without the distractions of going here, going there. And that took some, um, that, that really showed some adaptability as far as some of the families that I work with. Um, there was one family that I worked with and at first the parents were going crazy and they're like, Oh my God, it was all scattered. And the kids were freaking out and the parents were freaking out. And then the parents realized, wait a second, we don't have to act like the school does. We can do this differently. And they reshaped what learning looks like in the home. And all of a sudden, everything smoothed out. The marriage smoothed out, the kids smoothed out, and they sailed through the rest of the pandemic. So one of the strengths is learning new ways that sometimes we have to change how we operate in order to adapt. And that is a strength, adaptability, Flexibility, mental, emotional, spiritual flexibility is important. And if we don't have those opportunities, if we're not confronted with things that are like, whoa, we got to look at this, we're not going to evolve. So this is giving us an, a chance to evolve, to increase our ability to adapt. Um, weaknesses? Well, obviously, we don't want people dying. <laughs> not like this. It's just... It's unprecedented in our generations. Um, it is a shock to our collective system. It is a trauma to our collective system. And we really have to take into effect or take into consideration how fragile humans and life really is. How fragile this tiny little microscopic thing can destroy millions of people around the globe, millions. That's 
incredible. That is a fragility that we have to confront. And our interconnectedness with nature. You know, this is a part of nature. Viruses and bacteria are a part of nature. So as we are recognizing how interconnected we are, it's not just walking through the forests. It's recognizing what's out there that I need to protect myself from. Um, opportunities. Well, like I said, we get to learn more about ourselves. We get to learn more about who we are deep down. Like a lot of people, their little demons came right up. And I can't tell you, I, Rick Carson is, he, need, he needs to get more accolades than he does. Rick Carson wrote this book, which I have toted. And I'm sure in the Northeast, he's going, who in the Northeast is doing this? I have recommended this book so much for people to really get to know themselves. It's called Taming Your Gremlins. And it's a wonderful, lighthearted way of looking at your shadow side, which during the pandemic, if you're sitting there like, oh, what do we do today? It's the same old, same old Groundhog Day. Um, Taming Your Gremlins is a really great book to go through and look at who, what is my shadow side and how do I want to use my shadow side for my best and highest good? How do I want to turn my shadow side into a strength? Um, threat, obviously, again, life. Our life has been threatened. Our lives are threatened. Our collective system is threatened. The way of life, our society has been threatened. So we have to take a look at that and reassess. Absolutely. I see a couple of us are just dropping in the chat, that book, Taming Your Gremlins. I agree. It is excellent. And again, looking at that dark side, and we all have a, a shadow side. We all mm -hmm. have a shadow side. Yes, Debbie Ford has also uh, written mm -hmm. the book, The Dark Side of the Light Chasers. Yeah. She also wrote another book, which I have right here, The Right Questions. Yes, yes, yes. I love, I love that book. I love that book. I, I really yeah have um, enjoyed following the now late Debbie Ford. Mm -hmm. um, but both, both of those books have, have certainly played a, a role in my life and, and in my frameworks. And you remind me of, you know, those 10 questions. Yeah. I'd like to take a, a, a deeper dive into that. And I think all of these books are great resources for people to, to read now, read them during the month of August to help prepare yourself for what's to come. And what's to come, we're gonna have another surge. We're gonna have another go round with this pandemic. This virus is very powerful. This virus is evolving. We now have the Delta and the Lambda variants mm -hmm. that are on the rise, that are on the rise. Yes, yes, so thank you, Patricia. And just, you know, Patricia brings up a good point. It's hard to respect it when their choice to be unvaccinated affects my health, life, and safety. So that's what we're talking about, the weaknesses and the threats. Mm -hmm. Are we not? So how do you help people who feel the way Patricia does? Because I understand. I, I, I resonate with her viewpoint. Mm -hmm. I do, too. And here's the here's the thing that has to be taken apart. OK, right now it's like this. And what has to be taken apart is you can respect somebody's choices 
and still not like the choice, still have resentment towards the choice. But respecting the choice is learning about the other side, okay? So if you take um, Nelson Mandela as an example, okay? He didn't like being in prison. He didn't like his guards. He respected his guards enough to get to know the other side and then use that knowledge for his best and highest good, okay? So he didn't like what was happening. He didn't like what was happening in South Africa, but he respected the other side's point of view. So that's how he was able to negotiate with the other side to become president and to make the choice, the changes that he was able to make. Oh, I love that answer because instead of resisting mm-hmm. and just, you know, I'm not going to take in any information at all. He did stay in a place of inquiry. Yes. Curiosity. Yes. Inquiry, curiosity, respect. Respect doesn't say that you like or that you agree, but it can give you an advantage in terms of personally. And if you're applying this in any professional realm, political realm, theoretical realm, in terms of really listening to that other side, that other viewpoint. And I might add, while still keeping yourself safe. Mm-hmm. So, you know, even though, you know, I'm doubly vaccinated, you can best believe I'm keeping my ear to the ground regarding the opportunity for a booster shot. Mm-hmm. And, I, well, of course, I, I, I'm in healthcare field. So, of course, my vigilance has to remain higher. But also just casually in my personal life, I'm choosing to wear a mask most time and in most places, particularly when I step outside the bubble of my immediate family. And so that's a a thoughtful choice that I've made for my life on a personal level and on a professional level. Well, still, when you're coming into a healthcare facility, you better keep on a mask because you're walking into potentially many infectious situations that have nothing to do with COVID, but are exacerbated by the existence of COVID. Right. All right. So. Oh. Whoops, I unmuted myself. So yes, yes, respecting the choice, but not agreeing with their viewpoint. So I think our viewers are, are resonating with, with what's being shared here this morning. So now, Ms. Rebecca, as we were talking earlier, I cannot wait for your book to come out. I'm, I'm expecting <laughs> it to come out within the next year to 18 months. Okay, let's make it 18 months because I am in the process of helping my mom move and I am moving myself. So (laughs) it's a lot and I need time to kind of, I like, I have to focus in on my physical realm of existence and then I can get back into the writing of the book. But the book is being written up here right now. It's like my, 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 my mental fingers are typing like crazy. It just has not translated into, you know, a a manuscript per se. But um, I will say that it is going to be about how to nurture yourself and cope and all that we're talking about today. This is the premise 
of what I would like to write about um, as far as how to adapt, because I think that this is a long-term thing that we're going to have to really recognize and realize. And especially the younger generations that have, you know, this is throwing them for such a huge loop that um, something like that would be beneficial. So that is what is in the works up here. It will get into a book form because I have Dr. Carol and I have my friend, Dr. Sherry, and I have my friend, Joshua, and I have my other coach, Mary Ellen, on my case about it. So, <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. And, um, you know, I would love to just show you some easy ways to go about it because, you know, your, your viewpoint coupled with your philosophy, your education, your background, the world needs to know and hear from you now. You know, we're we're being called together in a, a time, a reason, and a season. Yes. And this is the season. And I, I don't want anybody who's being called forward in this season to miss because you know you can miss your season. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So we don't we don't want any more missed seasons because too much is at stake at mm -hmm. this time. So mm -hmm. how can people get in touch with you? If people want to reach out and get in touch with you, if they want to encourage you, <laughs> how, how do we best I could do use, that? I could use encouragement memes. <laughs> so um, I have an email, rsholistichealing at gmail.com. So that is my email that's... Um, probably the best way to get in touch with me. I'm pretty vigilant about my emails because of clients. rsholistichealing at gmail.com. So how's that? There we go. I just put it on here. The other way is um, through my website, which is www.rsholisticservices.com. So that's the W's, rsholisticservices.com. All right, there it goes. So, and one final question. I, I can't let us leave today's show without asking this. There is a critical shortage of mental health professionals. If someone is in crisis, they need somebody and they need somebody now, urgently, mm -hmm. how do they go about getting the help that they need? Mm -hmm. So here's the wonderful, oh, here's another wonderful opportunity that has been offered from the pandemic is the accessibility and acceptance of telemental health. So before people would have to be in the office, okay? That is not happening anymore. So you now have a whole entire state that you can investigate for finding a mental health counselor through telemental health. You find out who has been certified, make sure that they're certified in telemental health. Um, I have been certified in telemental health. I took a, I think it was like a 12 or 20 hour course on it to learn all the ins and outs, the ethical implications, how, you know, what happens when there's a technical glitch, et cetera. Get somebody who's certified in telemental health, but that opens you up to the whole entire state. 
Also, um, I know that in New York, at least, and I think Connecticut did this too. I'm not sure about New Jersey, to be honest, or any other states. But check with your state because a lot of states set up hotlines, mental health hotlines, and there are clinicians who are 24-7 on there. Um, it's kind of like, you know, you call up a suicide hotline. It's very similar. So somebody's having a, a really difficult time at that moment. Find out what that 1-800 or that 1-888 number is for your state. The other thing that has come around is um, there are several um, online agencies, I'm going to call them, where um, you can go like betterhelp.com. Okay, you can sign up. Um, and they generally have therapists available who are only doing telemental health. Um, and that's, it's, I think that sometimes they'll go through insurance, but if you don't have insurance and you still need help, I do think that they have a great sliding scale. So those are some of the ways that people can find their own mental health counselors. Psychologytoday.com is a phenomenal resource. Um, so psychologytoday.com is like where a lot of people, a lot of therapists put their, um, their bio in and you can see what their credentials are and you can see what insurance companies they accept. You can see what is their forte. So if you go on mine, you're going to see I'm primarily a trauma therapist. Um, who I work with, what populations, what insurance companies I take. Do I do a sliding scale fee if somebody wants to pay privately? So you can find all of that. Yes. Yeah, so, so the answer, Patricia, is yes. Uh, what you want to do is you want to go to New Jersey and say that you're looking for mm -hmm. telehealth, telemedicine, right. um, mental health providers in the state of New Jersey, and that information will, will mm -hmm. populate. So, mm -hmm. yes, and I do think that I, I know there's whole back and forth with the regulations between mm -hmm. the third party payers and uh, mm -hmm. people that are offering telemedicine, uh, telehealth, right. telemental health. And I think it's at the regulatory and policy level, it's going to have to get worked out because it's here to stay. Mm -hmm. It's well, here to stay. I do know that um, the American Counseling Association has been working hard to make it so that once somebody is licensed, they're licensed nationally. It doesn't have to be state by state. Right now, if you want mental health counseling, it has to be somebody who is licensed in your state. So, for example, I'm licensed in New York and Connecticut. Right now, I can't see somebody from New Jersey because I'm not licensed in New Jersey. Okay, I am starting to get licensed in Pennsylvania because I have a client who is going to college here and she's transferring to another place. So I'm getting licensed in that state as we speak so that we can continue our relationship because ethically it does not feel right for me to cut her off just because she's moving to a different state. So I am willing to do that for this client and, you know, for others. So it, now I've expanded to three states that I can see people in via telemental health because I'm licensed there. But if I'm going to see somebody, um, in, like if I want to see somebody in, in person to person, they have to come to New York. They have to come to my office in New York. Beautiful, beautiful. So again, a changing landscape. And we're going to continue to watch this um 
you know, what's, what's going on. So one of the things, um, so Patricia, uh, I can do an appointment with an out of state doctor. And again, it all kind of depends, but you really want to look for doctors in the state of New Jersey, whether mm-hmm. for psychological health or, right. or, or physical health, because we know that supported. It's not yet a universal umbrella. Now there were right. some emergencies, like during the height of the pandemic, some of those things were, you know, you know, mm-hmm. all barred, you know, removed. But so be very careful. Be be, right. be careful on both sides of the equation. And for now, your best bet is to look for New Jersey. Is this person licensed in the state of New Jersey? And I'm just saying New Jersey because I happen to know the person lives in New Jersey. All right. All right. Excellent. So thank you so much for answering that question. And, you know, there's, we could talk forever. Before we sign off, is there anything that you want to bring up? I think your creative side is going to uh, come forward in the next few moments. So one of the things that I I have done is um, I do write poetry and um, it's, it's something that I do for myself in exploring certain topics. Like if something interests me, then I want to write about it, but I don't want to write an essay. I'm not an essayist. So I just, I I started writing poetry and this one, um, somebody gifted me, a set of refrigerator magnets with little words on them and lots of ways to change the words like an apostrophe S or an ED, adding an ED or an un in in the beginning. So I took my refrigerator magnets and I would create poetry from these refrigerator magnets. And this poem that I created from my refrigerator magnets (laughs) seems like it fits where we are at. And, you know, um, as far as we are acknowledging the shadow side of our um, the pandemic side and the the light side. It's called Delirious Spirit. Delirious Spirit, meditate with profound challenge as whispers of luscious diamond language play in chosen tongue. It is hard to worship when men moan drunk in blood, lather and sweat, torn from roots, splayed out on turf of steel glittered rhetoric. It is easy to worship knowing every voice is a gift. Every gift is a song of souls tilted in uplift. Today, live for roses and honey. Chant out summer wisdom between screams. Hope frantic from impossible inspiration. Feel nourished in water-soothing dreams. Smell beauty in garden rains. Let screams and moans rise in unison with songs and dreams. Patchwork net to catch and release poetic fabric. Wafting in the breeze, delirious spirit. It's all here written on constellations scenes. Beautiful. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So 
I'm just, I'm, I'm so thrilled that you're bringing forward your creative side. You talked about singing. I too believe that, you know, I, I say that the arts are medicine. Yes. The arts are medicine. Mm-hmm. So the cornerstones of my practice is food as medicine, movement as medicine, meditation as medicine, and mm-hmm. art and beauty as medicine. Yes. And uh, that was just, thank you so much for sharing that. Listen, we are going to get ready to get out of here. Next week is the wrap-up show for this season, the summer season of Weightless and Mind, Body, and Spirit. You're not going to want to miss this. This is one of the world's trauma-informed experts. She's like a four- or five-time best-selling author, Dr. Donna Hamilton, also very much involved in the world of energy medicine. So we're bringing these other dimensions forward. You're not going to want to miss Dr. Donald Hamilton. And I also remind all of our viewers that Weightless in Mind, Body, and Spirit is also a podcast. So this will be uploaded. You'll be able to hear this episode. If you missed it live, you can go back and take your notes and listen again and again. So if you haven't already done so, go on over to wherever you listen to your podcast and do subscribe to Weightless in Mind, Body, and Spirit with Dr. Carol Penn. And then you could look for this episode as it is added. And, uh, you know, Rebecca, I hope you'll share this with your community and your friends. I know a couple of people weren't able to find their way on this morning. Good morning, Christina, and welcome. Yes, Victoria is saying thanks for another informative show. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, Yeah, no longer STEM, but now STEAM, as arts did make it in. Yes, it did. It used to be just like the STEM programs. They're finally now calling them STEAM because this is so important that we have our, our science, our technology, as and our arts as part of our education foundations. Kenneth Rush is saying a great show. Linda Parker Edwards, thank you ladies, very informative. Listen, thank you all. It would be no show without our audience, without this level of support, engagement, and viewership. Again, sharing is caring. Every one of you who is an active viewer who opened their eyes to join us this Sunday morning, you know somebody who needs this information. You know somebody needs some support in mind, body, and spirit regarding their mental health. So go ahead and share that with them. And I will see you, of course, during the week over the airways and all the ways that we engage. Rebecca, I will be seeing you. I'm going to be encouraging that book. We need your voice in the world in a big way. Okay. In a big way. And I will see you all next Sunday for the wrap-up of our summer season. Looking forward. Have a beautiful week. Have a blessed week. This is yours truly, your host, Dr. Carol Penn, signing off. Thank you. Weightless in mind, body, and spirit. Thank you, Rebecca. Are you coming back again? Uh, Yeah. Say the word after September. (laughs) 
yes, yes, yes. Good luck with all the moves with your mom and yourself. All right. Take care. All right, everybody. I'll be back in the green room. Okay.